What's going on, everybody? Welcome in. Westside Sports Podcast is live. It is January 9th, 2023. I am your host, Dakota Esri. Welcome in to today's podcast. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. We podcast. It's going to be a jam-packed one. We have a ton, ton going on. I've done this twice already. Apologies. Uh, coffee is just starting to kick. We needed the caffeine for today. Um, lengthy around, around the world today. I'm going to be breaking down a bunch of stuff that I've been looking at, kind of things, head storylines, what to take away from it. Major League, couple signings. Um, they go over a couple. Uh, one person got DFA'd. And then we have Mariners, lengthy Mariners, and then we have Seahawks breakdown. We have implications of yesterday's games and all that stuff. But before I get into today's podcast, as I always ask, and I apologize for being so redundant or consistent or however you want to put it or phrase it, please, please subscribe. Leave a rating on Spotify. There is a five-star rating down there. If you enjoy this podcast, I have almost 100 people who have subscribed to this podcast. I believe I'm five people away or five subscribers from 100. Thank you so much to everybody who has subscribed between Spotify Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio Index. We're now on Stitcher as well. So if you're a Stitcher podcast person, we're on. The, I'm on that as well. Uh, but please leave me a rating anywhere possible. You can leave me a written one on Apple Podcasts. You can leave me a star reviews, uh, preferably obviously five stars if 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 you know preferably possible. But um, realistic ones are all appreciated. But again, just please leave me a, a review. And then I am still trying to figure out whether or not you guys want Fan Fiction Fridays. Um, I've gotten maybe five responses over the last, I don't know how many podcasts about Fan Fiction Fridays. So I really don't know what you guys want. But I guess I'll wait and see until I hear back from you guys or what we will consider that as part or a segment of the podcast on Fridays for some content for y'all. Okay, enough beating around the bush. Here we go. Around the world, Arizona Cardinals finally have smelt the burning roasted coffee beans that have been sitting on the old grinder machine for a while. If you like Starbucks, this is probably a great starter for you because they're burning their coffee like like everybody knows it. Cliff Kingsbury is gone. Bye, bye, bye. Or as Dave Niasa say, it will fly, fly, fly away. And it was gone. Uh, he has been relieved of his duties. Steve Kime, as well, general manager, has been relieved of his duties or he has, quote, stepped away due to health concerns, but he was getting um, canned. For a bare lack of a term, I was going to use another term in front of it, but we're trying to keep it PG today. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff, not Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury, 28-37-1 record in four years for Arizona. Um, I don't really, there's been a couple names that have been brought up. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's uh, defense coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers has been involved with that. Um, there's a handful of names on there. I'm thinking, I don't think Sean Payton will probably be in, included with this. Jim Harbaugh probably won't, um, but... You'll probably be looking at someone kind of coming up through the ranks, maybe a newer name, newer offensive coordinator name, because you just pay Kyler Murray a crap ton of money. You got to get a coordinator in there or a, a head coach with some offensive background. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, just real quick on this, I want to get this right out and clear and make this abundantly crystal, crystal clear for everybody. Cliff King, Cliff Kingsbury, that's one of the hardest names for me to say for some reason. I can want to say Kingsbury. Um, he has been bad for his entire time coaching. He was bad in college. He was bad in the NFL. He is, a, he is not a leader of men. The organization, the locker room, uh, the players don't give a damn about him. This has been well reported for years. Jake Lazer's made it known that, you know, something was keeping Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. I think he had some inside details on some shenanigans going on. That's just pure tinfoil hat trying to be against Tay. But the writing is on the wall. Arizona needs a full reset. Um, Kyler Murray, I don't know what the hell you do with him. He obviously torn ACL. Most likely, he's not going to be able to return probably till at least halfway through next season, which means you've got Colt McCoy, possibly, if you retain him as your starting quarterback for next season. Uh, David Blau was a slouch, if you want to put it politely. They are in a bad spot right now. Um, Buda Baker, there's some reports that Buda Baker is going to be doing everything possible to get the hell out of Arizona, as he should, because he shouldn't waste his career playing for an organization that will not do anything with his defensive talent. I'd love to have him in Seattle, but I don't really see the fit there, unfortunately, and he'd be a perfect Seahawk. Hell, maybe replace him with uh, Jamal Adams, but I think they'll probably try and keep uh, Ryan Neal, but that's a different conversation. We're going to get to that, those different, you know, further down the road once we get to, to the complete offseason. So, 
Um, Saints have told have made a statement this morning that they plan on retaining uh, head coach Dennis Allen, who obviously stepped in for the replacement of Sean Payton uh, to return next year. Went seven to ten record this year for the Saints, but he kind of got dealt a bad deck of cards. He's been with a backup quarterback in Andy Dalton. Uh, they won three out of the last four going on the stretch. Um, Why does he for Michael Thomas continues to just battle with injuries? If I'm Michael Thomas, you should just hang him up, man. Just just walk away. You are so battered. You're so beaten up. Your body is like a Porsche if it's a, you know, a fragile... Okay, sorry. We're kind of running through some technical stuff today. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. So I'm trying to roll with it for you guys. Um, Hopefully it doesn't uh, turn down the quality, but I hope, you know, we, we can uh, finish this up today. Lions upset the Packers last night, 2016. Lions won eight of their last 10 games. First winning record for the Detroit Lions since 2016, or 2017, excuse me. Uh, Texans have fired head coach Lovey Smith this morning. Um, this is not a shocker. I think Lovey knew that this is a one-year opportunity for him with an absolute crappy lineup. This is not a great collection of plot of holes there, and uh, not many people are going to be interested in taking the Houston Texans' job. I'll be really curious who ends up taking that and uh, what becomes of that open position. The Chicago Bears end up getting the number one overall draft pick. Congrats to them. Uh, playing Nathan Peterman. Woohoo. Nobody was really watching that game. Not even NFL Red Zone gave a crap about that game. First time the Bears have had the number one overall draft pick since 1947. That's a little fun fact for you guys today. Broncos are actively uh, seeking head coaches. Jim Harbaugh, uh, current head coach for the University of Michigan Wolverines, is currently interviewing with the Denver Broncos for the open head coaching vacancy position. Sean Payton said uh, yesterday on Fox that he's had a conversation with the general manager that was not an interview because they have to receive permission, which has been granted now. But he's just trying to cover his butt on national television. And the Packers now have a decision at quarterback after they lost uh, on Sunday night to the Detroit Lions, as I just, as I just uh, touched on real quick. Aaron Rodgers was, quote, uncommittal the next season. Color me shocked on that one. If I'm the Packers, I'm saying good riddance. Get the hell out of here. We don't want you. We don't need you. You can take your $50 million and walk away in, into the sunset. Jordan Love, they have to see what Jordan Love has. They have to see whether or not he's able to perform at this level. They have to see whether or not he was worth the first overall, the first round draft pick. There's a lot of musts in that, and I understand, you know, it's uh, easy to say as somebody who just, you know, speaking from the seat of their chair, but this team is, it is talented. They do have quality players in there, obviously, Aaron Jones, um, AJ Dillon are two really good running backs. Christian Watson is slowly um, blooming and evolving. They've got some fine players, but they need more offensive help. Defense just kind of seemed to be in shambles. I mean, it wasn't a bad performance, only allowing 20 points to the Lions is pretty good on almost on an average Sunday, but, uh, I believe they got some players heading towards free agency. I have not gotten to that aspect yet because obviously we just wrapped up the regular season, so I'm not going to jump too far ahead. But it is a uh, serious um, barbershop conversation going on right now with what the Packers are going to do with Aaron Rodgers. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, just please just go away. Just go away. The, the, the NFL doesn't need you anymore, Aaron Rodgers. We have Joe Burrow, who is like the young version of you. We have Josh Allen. We have Patrick Mahomes. We have all these, all these other quarterbacks, you know, Justin Herbert to look forward to, you know. So I'm not... Uh, Watch enough football uh, to know that when Aaron Rodgers is cooked, he's cooked. And he's like an overcooked, dry piece of chicken breast and without seasoning. It's pretty uh, pretty bland. So there's that for you guys. That's around the world for today. I will continue to uh, update and give more details when they become available. That's what I have for you guys so far. Uh, some brief MLB signings, and then we're going to transfer into the Mariners. Uh, Phillies acquired Gregory Soto, relief left-handed relief pitcher from the Detroit Tigers, for a handful of prospects. None of them are overly big or flashy. Soto, to me, this is a bit of an overpay for Soto. Soto is... A hard-throwing left-handed pitcher, uh, relief bullpen arm, obviously, so he's going to be a one-inning use. Has quality stuff. Wasn't also last year, even though Tariq Skubal should have been the uh, all-star representative for the Tigers. Not him. Um, it was just a popularity because people like Gregory Soto in baseball. I don't really understand the love behind him. I think he's vastly overrated. Um, they have they had better pieces in there. Joe Jimenez was the best bullpen piece. He should have been an all-star over Gregory Soto, but I'm not going to keep del uh, diving into that. Met signed uh, utility guy Tim LaCastro this morning. Good addition for the Mets. Lots of speed, lots of defensive ver versatility. Not much bat. Probably gonna hit you to twenty two thirty on, on the season, but just another kind of a uh, back end utility role guy there. Giant signed relief pitcher Luke Jackson this morning. Two years, eleven and a half million. Pretty good deal for him as he's bounced off of two Tommy John surgeries. 
Padres signed outfielder Adam Engel, uh, formerly of the Chicago White Sox. He's going to be a rotational outfielder for them. Has a lot of speed, really good defense. Pretty decent bat-to-ball skills. Base probably going to hit you around 235, 240. Uh, Dodgers DFA'd Trevor Bauer. No shocker on this one. Trevor Bauer was due $22.1 million from the LA Dodgers uh, this season. He could be worth the money. He could be a giant waste of money. Nobody really knows what to expect out of Trevor Bauer. He has been training on uh, with a lot of uh, bigger-time like Facebook, YouTube guys on certain camps. But you really can't put anything into it. These guys are not professional athletes. These guys are minor league guys. And obviously, we all know there's a big difference between minor league and major league. However, Trevor Bauer was a Cy Young winner a few years ago. Still has pretty good stuff. Sounds like his velo hasn't dipped down or anything. But Trevor Bauer is a part of my, part of my French. He's a first-class jackass is what he is. I take no pleasure in saying this, but this is the facts. If you know anything about baseball, and if you saw anything that was that came out about the reports about, Tre- about Tre- Trevor Bauer, excuse me, sexual assault, um, domestic violence, this guy is a royal POS. I'm not going to go into more on that. But what I can say is any Mariner fan that wants Trevor Bauer should be disgraced, should be removed their patch from their jersey. This guy will tear down our locker room, and he will start putting bad taste in people's mouths the moment he walks into our organization. It would color me shocked if he came in humbled. That's not who Tre- Trevor Bauer is. He's loud. He's brash. He's pointed. He has always something to say all the time. Doesn't show. He's literally the Aaron Rodgers version of, like, Trevor Bauer is the Aaron Rodgers of baseball. He is highly controversial. He is highly talented, but you really don't know what you're going to get out of him. And my guess is that some team will sign him that doesn't care. Probably maybe Atlanta because they have such a strong core. Uh, maybe, I don't, think, I don't think the Padres will because they're pretty stacked on uh, starting a rotation. Um, I was going to say Dodgers, but he just left the the, the, the Dodgers. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him. He has a clear skill set and a repertoire that's very um, appealing to a lot of teams. So we'll keep our eyes on that in general. And then the last MLB quick note for you guys today is that the owner of the Golden State Warriors, his name is Joe Lacob, for those who do not know, he is interested in buying the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I still call them the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. No, they're technically the Angels because it sounds better. Um, but this is a very eye-opening little report here because Joe Lacob is rich as hell. He has got as much money as he could do with anything in the, in, in the world. He could buy anything he wanted. He could do anything he wanted. And the Angels have spent a little bit of money on Hunter Renfro, Brandon Drury. Um, I know there's one of the signing they did in the offseason, so uh, apologies for that. I'm not an Angels fan for those of you who are brand new. This is your first time listening. Um, scroll back uh, about 30, 40 podcasts and you're going to hear some pretty colorful stuff about how I feel about the Angels. But all, all you need to know is they're a classless organization that lacks the ability to grow a farm system. They lack the ability to take advantage of two. One generational prospect in Shohei Otani and the other one in Mike Trout uh, for lacking and, you know, literally wasting the opportunities and primes of two players that should be on better teams to where they actually can make a larger imprint in the, in, in the world of baseball. And, um, yeah, it sucks to suck for Angel fans. Okay, we finally had some Mariners, uh, news. Finally. Holy crap. It's been a month plus of frustration, agony, upsetting, whatever term you want to use, right? Um, it was worth all of it, right? So, uh, first off, AJ Pollock, one year, $7 million deal. It is officially the largest amount of money Jerry Depoto has spent on any free agency in, the, in his tenure with the Seattle Mariners. Previously was Norichka Aoki, who was awful for the Mariners. AJ Pollock, I don't think it's going to be anything close to that. I think he's going to be a solid veteran bat for this team. Looks like he'll slide in at left field uh, versus left-handed pitching. Looks like Jared Kellnick probably will be uh, platooning, excuse me, between uh, right-handed pitching, kind of like a Jock Peterson role for Jared Kellnick, which is a little bit disappointing because Jared Kellnick had the upside of Brian Reynolds, but now we're looking like he's more like a Jock Peterson than anything else. So we'll kind of go from there and see what happens. But um, let's see here. 286 average is all versus left-handed pitching last year. 286 average, 316 on base percentage, 619 slugging, which equal, which equal to a 935 OPS. For those who don't know what OPS means, that is on base percentage plus slugging. So you just add up all the numbers, and that's how you get that big old fancy juicy number. For reference, uh, he was in the top 12 overall batters versus left-handed pitching with numbers uh, comparable to Aaron Judge, Juan Soto, Rafi Devers. 
Um, all the big hand lefty smashers. Teoscar Hernandez, too. Teoscar is a hugely lefty smasher. So they clearly addressed the lack of offense between Teoscar and AJ Pollock. However, this does not mean they're done. I still think they need a DH bat. I don't think there's really a huge fit on the market right now for that. I could see them maybe addressing that through the trade, trying to find a minor league bat that has a ton of success but hasn't had the ability. That's very, tr you know, Trader Jerry, you know, Joe-esque. You know, I try to side in the Trader Joe's little sneak peek joke for you, but that was terrible. Anyways, we're, we're, we're scooting right on past that. So, uh, I like the signing for, for, for Pollock. He could end up becoming the everyday left fielder, obviously, if Jared Kellnick struggles, which we obviously do not want to see. Jared Kellnick is pivotal for this team to reach the next uh, tier level and ability. But without the consistent play of Jared Kellnick, it's going to put more of an a, um, the more stress, more uh, views and eyeballs on Pollock. And he's capable of doing this. A couple years ago, this guy was hitting almost 300. He was a 20-plus home run, 80-plus RBIs, hitting the top five of a lineup, which is what I anticipate, especially against left-handed pitching. Probably could see him batting two, maybe. Two wouldn't be bad. I can see uh, Julio leading off, maybe. And then you could go Julio Pollock. Uh, Teoscar at cleanup. You could put Suarez. You could put France, maybe, at three. It makes, just line, it makes the lineup just so much deeper. So there's that uh, free and signing for you guys. Also, we traded for right-handed relief pitcher Justin Topa, or Tapa, from the Milwaukee Brewers for right-handed pitcher Joseph Hernandez. I'm not going to lie. I was a little bummed initially seeing that Joseph Hernandez had to go for to make this deal happen. Joseph Hernandez, these guys are two lottery tickets, right? And the reason why I'm t talking about two guys being lottery tickets, it's boom or bust for both of these guys. First of all, for Topa, um, this guy has had two Tommy John surgeries on, on his arm. He has had consistency issues with lo with location, but he is a three-quarter arm slot. He is a heavy, heavy sinker, 96 to 98 mile an hour sinker with a big sweeping slider. His uh, pitching metrics are off the board, off the chain. This guy has tremendous spin rates on his pitches, but he hasn't really been able to locate. And this is another project for, for, for Jerry and Justin and, uh, man, I can't remember the pitching coach. Off the top. Andy McKay, there it was. Uh, and, and they're pitching, and they're pitching coach, uh, that, or Pete Woodworth, not Andy McKay. Wow, that was bad. That, um, uh, this is a good uh, little project for these guys to work on. This is one of those additions that you could say that's like that Paul Seawall that came out of nowhere and, you know, boosted this bullpen from a good bullpen to a great bullpen. He, it's just, you have those high leverage stuff inning pitchers. This is what this guy could be, but he's got to be able to stay healthy. He's going to be able to figure out how to help him locate better to make this more prevalent and see where it could go towards the future. As for Joseph Hernandez, he was at class A Modesto. He was the best pitcher in the rotation by far. He's probably four years out till big leagues. Um, he's got good stuff. Fastball sitting mid-90s, sharp breaking ball. Control is mid, just above middle average. So this is a possibility down the road for a possibility to help us this year kind of a trade. So that's kind of what you need to know on that. Uh, Jerry DePoto was on Rock and Salk on Thursdays, as he always is at 8.30. Uh, he came out of the gates talking specifically about Taylor Trammell. And he has put in a ton of work in this offseason to work on his swing and his swing path. I saw a video today also of J.P. Crawford at Driveline. Looks like he's working on a couple things with the load stands. If you want to know more about load stands, add me on Twitter. I'll talk more about that there. Capital P and W Professor, you can find me there. But he said specifically, so last year, uh, Brock and Salk, or Brock at the, or excuse me, Salk at the time, if I can talk, uh, asked him what prospects should, should we, uh, we be watching. He said Matt Brash. Matt Brash has got crazy good stuff. He could start for us. He could be the number five. He could be a bullpen piece. And we all saw how pivotal and important Matt Brash was. But this year, Bryce Miller. For those who know who Bryce Miller is, he is a right-handed starting pitcher, arguably the best pitching prospect in the, or in, the, in the organization, over Emerson Hancock, over Brian Wu, over Taylor Dollard, um, Juan Pinto. Juan Pinto is coming and rising fast. Um, I anticipate by the end of this year, we could be talking about Juan Pinto, just like we're talking about uh, Bryce Miller and possibly Brian Wu. Bryce Miller uh, was at, he had four different levels of organization this year. This guy moved fast. He Everywhere he moved, he dominated, he moved him up, dominated, moved him up, dominated, moved, moved, moved him up. Um, fastball sits 97, 98 on consistency, uh, but can get up to 100 miles an hour fairly easily. Jerry said he was kind of sitting about 100 miles an hour in his latest bullpen. This guy could be either a three, number three, number four pitcher, which obviously has a ton of value, or a really high leverage reliever with crazy stuff. Matt Brash-esque, just like I was talking about. He's, he reminds me a lot of Brash. 
Bryce's got crazy good movement, crazy velo. Bryce Miller is tall, he's lean, he's built right. Uh, very similar to George Kirby, not as tall as Kirby, but he is going to throw gas. And you got a guy like that coming in for this year, along with the likes of Emerson Hancock, Taylor Dollard. Um, I think Dollard could possibly be a trade piece, just kind of based upon how MLB ready he is. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they catch him around, or if they ship Marco, or if they ship Flexen, or if they keep all the guys, considering how lucky we were. We didn't have a single starting pitcher go down to injury last year, which is completely unheard of. It's almost impossibly rare. So, I will keep my ears and eyes down on the ground for you guys to figure out what I can find out more about, about these guys. And we are, I believe, two days, yep, yeah, we are two days away from Feldman Celestine signing with the Seattle Mariners for the international draft class. I will cover all of the draft class the moment that information gets released to the public and to Twitter. So, for those who want to know more about Feldman Celestine, I'll be doing a deep profile coverage of what to expect from him, when he could be uh, contributing for the Seattle Mariners in the active lineup, and what his timeline looks like. And to end the Mariners segment, Jerry talked a bit about Jared Kelnick. He is continuing to work on his consistency at the plate, working out in uh, L.A. with a group of professional high-tier ranked hitters. This is what I want to hear. I want to see him and hear him working out with established players who have a track record of smacking the piss out of baseballs. That Jared Kelnick has the most crazy amount of upside in this organization for right now to actually, you know, contribute to, to this team and help us get back to the playoff uh, hunt and chase and wild card and divisional, right? If you want to make a huge jump to, to try and catch up with, with Houston and you cannot get Brian Reynolds, Jared Kelnick must produce. If Jared Kelnick does not produce, he will be traded. I can guarantee you it. Write it down in stone. You can carve it down, write it down, sharpie it down, whatever you want to do. This is, I'm going on the record. Jared Kelnick has half a season to figure out whether or not he can hit MLB pitching. If he can't, they will package him in a deal to find a way to get Brian Reynolds. That's my hot take for today. Okay, Seattle Seahawks, what a day of football. What a crazy day. Um, after the overtime win versus the Packers, the Detroit Lions beating the Packers at Lambeau Field. The Seattle Seahawks will go down to Santa, Santa Clara for the rematch versus San Francisco 49ers. Gang, gang, not a gang. Um, third meeting this year between San Francisco and Seattle. Usually, you'll see in the course of a season, two times in the course of a season. Beating a team three times. The Niners will beat us twice this year, back-to-back -back times. Three times is just, it's really tough. These guys, these teams know each other so well. They know what to anticipate from Brock Purdy. They know the running game scheme. They know how the defense is going to be uh, prepping for these guys. And this is when you have to lean on certain players to get into uh, the depths of this defense and try and expose some holes, which with this team is going to be tough because they really don't have a whole lot of them. Seahawks now possess the number five and 20 overall draft picks in this year's draft, which will be the 2023, obviously. Latest Bleacher Report mock draft that came out this morning has the uh, Seahawks drafting Clemson edge rusher Miles Murphy and defensive lineman Siaki Ika, or Ika, out of Baylor. I do not know anything about these two. I've heard a rumblings about Murphy being a really good overall athlete. But once we get closer to this draft season and I get some um, some draft profiles and some comps and kind of like look at game tape and stuff like that, I'll have more of that for you guys as we get closer towards the draft. This was a truly defensive Pete Carroll smash mouth game yesterday. Pass rush for Seattle was huge and making Big Baker Mayfield uncomfortable all game long. Boy Mafe, Uchenna, Quentin Jefferson. Um, they, these guys really stepped up. Shelby Harris had a really good game yesterday as well. But they really stepped in, filled out well. And speaking about stepping in and filling out well, Cody Barton, I thought, played a really good football game yesterday, was really decisive at the point of attack. He was able to cover sideline to sideline, especially on that, out, on that out route, which is huge shutdown in the third down possibility, which resulted in us getting points later on, was massive. Uh, good speed, good communication throughout the game. Unfortunately, Gino really did struggle, though. I, I don't like, you know, this is one of those sections of, of the podcast that's hard for me to do because I, I like Gino. I like Gino. I like his build. I like his moxie. I like his competitive nature. I like how he's prideful. But he played bad. He played poorly. He forced the ball to DK too many times, and two of those turned into interceptions for Jalen Ramsey. We think got Jalen Ramsey all hyped up on, cracked up on Mountain Dew, as we said when, we were, when, I, when I was a kid. But Gino is a free agent. He's going to be due some money. Uh, this is going to be a massive conversation on this podcast throughout the course of the offseason. What do you do? I think Seattle has to retain him. This is a no-brainer with how he performed and operated this offense. 
Uh, offense still needs some help, though. We clearly need a number three wide receiver. No disrespect to Kate Johnson. He's not going to cut it. I would I would have liked to see Jarek Young get more opportunities. He did get a couple catches and a couple running opportunities. He's a really versatile player. It reminds me so much of Ricardo Lockett. Obviously, physical freak of nature. Jarek the Freak, that's pretty close. You know, they call him Tariq the Freak, but Tariq's more like an avatar. You know, tall, lengthy. Haven't seen the new movie yet, but we'll see. We'll get there sooner, sooner than later. Uh, top uh, pro football focus grades on defense for the reg for the regular season. Ryan Neal, 85.6 was one. Quandre, 73.4 was two. Shelby Harris, 73.2. Uchenna, 72.6. And Tariq Wollin, 71.6. Some people might be surprised that Tariq was lower, but he did allow uh, some yards. Did allow some, some points overall, but great season from Tariq Wollin, especially for a project out of University of Texas, San Antonio. This draft class has been absolutely incredible. Abe Lucas grayed out really high. I didn't get in the PFFs on offense for yesterday's game, but what I can tell you is that for Abe Lucas led the way with an 83% grading, and Gino had a 57.2, which was his worst of the season. And we saw it because Gino really didn't look that great until it had to happen, but Gino was able to step up. He uh, filled the pocket well. He ran when he had to. Got, I think he had about 40 to 50 rushing yards. I'll be doing a full set of takeaways on a later podcast, probably on Wednesday, maybe Tuesday. We'll see what happens with uh, overall content and what happens with that, but I'll keep you guys updated. Fun fact, we're talking about Gino. I'm going to uh, give you guys the stat, and then I'm going to hop out for today. Uh, Geno Smith finishes the regular season fourth in passing touchdowns in the NFL with 30 and first among all NFC quarterbacks with those 30 touchdowns. Geno, you've had a phenomenal season. You've been a true leader of men. You've shown how to, you can lead a locker room. You can be the catalyst that really pushes and drives the engine for the city. It's a very bright future for, for, for Seattle. We have two quality draft picks, one in, in the top five. It has not happened in a very long time. Haven't drafted this high since we drafted uh, Russell Okun. So there's lots to be thankful for. I am a... Uh, pleasantly surprised with everything that's happened in the course of this season this has been a really enjoyable season when I thought we were going to flat out suck like most of us did because most of us thought that Geno Smith and Drew Locke were going to at least split reps this season Drew Locke didn't get any that is just all congrats and props and praise to Geno for being an absolute stalwart at the quarterback position for us this season and we have a lot to get into as far as the, as the offseason with drafts and free agency Seattle has a ton of money in free agency I believe they're another top 10 I believe they're number five or number six overall and draft um and draft cap space available for the upcoming offseason I will get into all of that and much much more though at a later time I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your busy day to listen. And I'll keep you guys updated with anything that happens majorly. If it's Mariners, I'll do a uh, breaking episode podcast for you guys on what happens. And until then, have a fantastic Monday. CS Rise, go Hawks, and uh, Niners, we got a date on Saturday. I'll see you guys then. Peace.